Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy or making effective changes to old practices. Your lesson, should you choose to accept it, is to transform your passions for innovation and design into relevant assignments and global professional projects. The special agent assigned to help you with this task is Ivo Hanan of Deutsch School of Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. Before we begin, I again want to thank those of you who rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. By doing so, Less Than Impossible can be ranked on podcast charts, and if it makes it high enough, New listeners will be able to discover it when they are browsing through the education category. So, in that vein, a huge thank you to my Russian listeners. I'm not only very grateful that you apparently exist, but that you bumped me to number three very briefly on the Russian iTunes education how-to charts. So a big spasiba to you all. This episode's guest, Ivo Hanan, is a lot of things. Full-time educator, YouTube host, Director of Educational Projects like the Agency, the Teacher Society Network, and Innovation X, as well as a presenter and freelance designer. But what he was most recently for me was the reason that I was up at 5 a.m. so that I could talk to him in Dubai after his kids were in bed. Of course, it was worth it to get up at that early for me hour so I could talk to him about being a design teacher, modeling innovation for his students, and all of the amazing projects that he's involved in. To start, do you mind giving a quick introduction to the listeners of who you are, what you do, what you're known for? I know you do a lot of things, so as much as you wish to share. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, my name is uh, Ivo Hanan. I have been a teacher for almost two decades. I trained as a design and technology teacher in the UK in 2001. And then I moved over in 2007 to Dubai, and I've been in Dubai ever since. And my passion really in life is to pursue projects within education and also within design and innovation as well. So it's quite a cool thing to be teaching students about your main passion. Absolutely. And what brought about that passion and what brought about your journey into teaching and this is very multi-layered what brought you to Dubai choose all or or one (laughs) (laughs) so um I'll try and hit all three and the first one I've always kind of had an interest in tinkering with things I made lots of kind of adjustments to electronics when I was younger like electrocuted myself a few times trying to um, overclock like devices radio control cars radios so on and so forth and that fascination really led me into pursuing design at high school level and then at university level as well where I graduated as a a product designer and then when I graduated there were kind of these two routes for me to go down one was to stay in the UK as a designer or to, to move abroad of which some of my friends had done and, and during that time, I, I discovered this avenue of, of uh, developing myself as a teacher and design and technology and explored it a bit further. I qualified with a, a postgraduate 
And since that journey, not only have I managed to teach design and promote innovation to students and adults, actually, funnily enough, I've also been very fortunate to have engaged in a number of freelance projects from a design perspective, and I continue to do so. Um, so I'm, I'm really one of those those lucky people who is fortunate enough to be able to continue to uh, work within his passions, even 20 years down the line. And how does staying relevant in your field then impact your teaching? Um, very much so. I launched an idea called The Agency in November, uh, November 6th on Twitter, and that was all about kind of telling myself that I need to stay relevant. If I'm going to expect students to develop their own path of success through their learning journey, I need to be relevant, I need to stay relevant with the technologies that they're using so I can guide them on that path. Albeit it wasn't a natural progression, when I started to use Twitter in 2018, that then led me on to using more social media. I started to use Instagram at the beginning of the year. Again, initially to connect with students, and that's kind of taking me into this design world and still connecting with students. And now I use YouTube and I'm, and I'm doing live shows, again, allowing me to connect with students in this generation. So um, I think it's not just for teachers who are in the innovation and design field. I think all teachers need to keep a finger on, on what's currently happening to stay relevant to the students that they teach every day. What is a design teacher's kind of portfolio of teaching? In my mind, I have a lot of 3D printers, but I imagine it, it's a lot more than that. <laughs> it's much easier to describe to people now because of the design thinking model. Design technology teachers have always, have always used a design thinking model. It just wasn't the design thinking model. It was just called the design process. So um, IDEO have actually done us a favor because it, it makes what we do a lot less alien and a lot more mainstream. Yeah, you know, the idea of um, basically researching um, a situation that you wanna, want to create a solution for, then developing a specification, developing a range of ideas, then prototyping the ideas, then taking those ideas into a production, some kind of production level value that would lead on to you testing, pitching, evaluating them, and then releasing them or launching them after. Do you have any examples of ways that your students have been able to take their projects beyond the classroom? Like, have they been able to implement them into their own communities or lives? There's, there's quite a few examples we've got um, with robotics and with some of the innovation projects where we've entered students' work into external competitions and they've gone and been successful. We Three years ago, um, I was very fortunate to enter um, the Dubai Institute of Design and Innovation competition with a group of students. And in, and in its first year, we were the winning team. Um, so they basically used their design and technology skills and applied them to real-world situations and problems, and then as a result ended up pitching successfully and winning the competition. We've also, I'm a big believer in real-world learning, 
and I've I've managed to link with a, a bunch of companies um, over my years in work, including Toshiba and Adidas and Maserati to create projects that sync with the visions of the company and linking it back to the interest of the students. So that's been quite a cool one as well. And that's led to students taking their passions and taking and then studying it further at university level. Yeah, it's been cool. Guitars have been made, musical, some musical instruments, tables, uh, chairs, uh, lamps for their parents. One of the students that, I'm, that is currently in my, uh, one of my classes is developing his own clothing website. And he's gonna he's gonna eventually use it to, to as an e store, so it's it's a big part of what we do is enterprise, making sure that what students learn will help them later in life become successful in life. It's it's really cool. And for teachers that are listening and thinking to themselves, like, man, I I would love to be able to make those kind of community partnerships. How would you go about contacting? A, a large organization like Maserati about tying it to your curriculum. <laughs> I am very face on. I'm a very face on person, face to face. One of the, what, I tell you what, one of the things that I find as a trigger for these projects is when I'm in the newspaper or when I'm on their social media. Sometimes they will say something. So, for example, BMW might be launching a new car and it's coming soon. So I'll be like, well, that's cool. That's a cool thing to do. What's the age range that would be interested in that? Okay, and how do I link it to the units of study? Okay, so I go and visit BMW. And you generally have quite a lot of fun because as you visit and you go in from an educational point of view, more often than not, the ears prick up and all of a sudden this conversation with a bit of coffee turns into you being in the car and being test driven around the city in their brand new car. It's <laughs> honestly, I have had some crazy opportunities because of these links. I was given a, um, I don't know if anybody will remember there's a, there was a car that used to compete with Tesla. It was called the Fisker. And it was a 100% electric car. And I, I did a, a joint project. And they gave me a Fisker for the day. What? So I, I basically, yeah, it was a $150,000 car. And they gave me this car for the day. So I could basically drive it around for the day. And the kids were like, oh, Mr. Haddon. I was like, guys, listen, when you put yourself out there, things come your way. I will be completely honest. I didn't think they were going to borrow me the car, but you know what? I'll do it for the kids. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I think what the great thing is, is they're, they're watching someone who practices what he preaches. If I'm asking them to be designers and innovators, it's very important that I am visibly a designer and innovator myself to help strive that mindset in my students. Going back to the, the Instagram and the YouTube, even within the last three months, I've really, striv- I've really strived to innovate in their markets, really. I mean, YouTube's not really of my generation and neither is Instagram. But And they appreciate it. They're like, you know what, he's going for it. And, and, and they follow me and they watch. They watch the Ed Talks and comment in the live feed. It's really, you know, it's really cool. I love the idea 
of making the teaching profession transparent. I think there's been this idea in education that it needs to be kind of behind the curtain and we don't want students to, you know, see the the parts in the sausage factory or something like that. But this idea of making it transparent and, and talking about our craft and then making it clear to students that it is a craft and it is something that we work on and having them think critically about how they're being educated, I, I think can be really powerful. And I think it's so cool that you open up your ed talks to your students to look at as well. Uh, everything, honestly, Aviva, everything is open to my students. The only thing that I don't allow them to do is add me to Facebook because Facebook is very personal to me and I don't extend that outside of my personal circle. But my Twitter channel, I have a bunch of students following that. And when I get, when my following goes up and whatever, or something happens, they'll come into class and they'll be like, Mr. Han, that was really cool what you sent out. Well, you know, my Twitter channel is a teacher's Twitter channel. There's nothing on there that's going to offend anybody. I don't swear. There's nothing, you know. And in fact, I don't swear at, at all and, and on social media. But uh, And then Instagram's the same. Yes, Instagram I'm using now to promote my design side of my life and, and my design kind of projects and, and the, the YouTube that I've, I'm doing. The behind the scenes is shot via Instagram stories. So I show people, guys, I'm just about to go on air. This is what it looks like. And they see it all. But I want kids to see that because I want them to also know effort goes into these things. You know, if I'm standing and doing a YouTube channel, I've actually spent the whole day planning for that YouTube um, show. I haven't just stepped in front of a camera and made it work. And those things need to be shown to students you know, they need to see that, yes, I might be on X amount of followers, but it's taken me a year and a half to get to that point. And you've seen that journey. You've seen the journey when I was only at 200 and now I'm at whatever, 5,000 or whatever it is. You've seen that. You've seen how much effort I've put into that. And I think that showing students that grit and kind of strategy, planning, um, consistency they can't deny it they can't say oh well he didn't do it It came easy to him and and i want that to be a real world lesson to them things don't come easy you have to work for them you mentioned a little bit about the live shows can you expand on those because i know those are really heating up now that we've moved to a distance education model Uh, yeah absolutely um so the live shows were a result of the agency sessions, so that agency project that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, that was leading me on to doing live professional development sessions face-to-face in the States and in Canada. So I had a workshop, a one-day workshop in New York, one in San Francisco, one in Houston, and then another one that was planned for Toronto. And everything was booked and people were flying in to these to these workshops. And then when the COVID-19 struck and the restrictions started to take place, they had to be cancelled or postponed. And I had to find an alternative, really, to try and engage with the people who had dedicated some of their, their time and some of their money to, to come and have face-to-face sessions. 
So I felt one of the best things I could do is, is, is serve them via uh, sessions on YouTube. And, and that's turned into like a, a, an education talk show. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's, it's really cool. Really cool. For listeners that would like to participate, is there still room? Uh, yeah, uh, the, I mean the ad talks are live on YouTube. Um, there's going to be six in the first series, so um, the fourth show is happening on the ninth of May. The topic is all about developing uh, messages for for positive mental health. Um, we've got some great guests that are just being finalised over the next couple of days. It's going to be streaming on um, tiny.cc slash edtalkslive, uh, or you can type in Evo Hanan on YouTube, and I'm, and I'm sure it will come up. Um, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 4 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, and 7 p.m. Gulf Standard Time, Dubai. So, um, yeah, it'd be great if, if you could join. There's a, we're going to be giving away $100. We give away $100 worth of prizes in, a, in an in-house game show called Crack the Code um, as well, which is quite cool. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, the show. It's a lot of fun. And can you expand on the agency a little bit more as well? Yeah, so the, the agency project came about from me discovering the, the term student agency, which I wasn't even aware of. I've always been someone who believes that you should work to people's strengths. And as somebody who is not an academic, when I was in school, I used to struggle with some of the academic subjects because they were expecting me to show my learning through writing. So when I became a teacher, one of the things I made very clear to my students was when you do things, do things that you enjoy. So if you want to design a product and you want to use materials that aren't what we use in school, but you're confident with that, then go ahead. If you want to display things in a different way to what we normally do, as long as you're happy and comfortable with it, do it your way and and chase the the, the avenues that you feel confident with. And, and I just used to call it choices. And when I found out about the term student agency, I thought, oh, this is a good opportunity for, for me to engage with the term, the official term of choices, and that led to me developing this kind of project uh, called Agents for Agency, people who are educators who are uh, striving to, to drive agency forward. And, and the Agents for Agency, the definition is the agent, and, and that's uh, teachers who are active in their own learning, understand Generation Z students and their needs, understand that every single child has their own needs, is willing to work on and bring in new and innovative ideas to stay relevant. And probably the cornerstone of being an agent is to make sure that you develop and maintain trusting relationships. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great journey so far and, and there's going to be more to come. And so people can go to your website and sign up and become an agent or are there some hoops they need to jump through first? So, yeah, so um, when I initially launched the project, people were signing up um, to be agents for agency and, 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 and so on. And I, and I had a, a group of lead agents who 
are teachers from across North America who are agents, quite like alpha agents almost within their work. What we're looking at providing is, is a framework to allow teachers to be agents with a further understanding of how, rather than saying you can sign up to be an agent for agency without necessarily understanding how the, to best do that. We want to make sure people are equipped with tools and resources that make them feel comfortable with what that means. So that's one, going to be actually one of the next uh, steps of uh, this project. I have to admit, I was absolutely thrilled when I when I saw the agent part, because as you know, this is a podcast based on the Mission Impossible theme, and you will be billed as an agent, uh, a special agent, and helping other teachers learn about innovation and in their teaching practice. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, you're a double agent now. Congratulations. <laughs> it's cool. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, one, of the, one of the cool things we said was when people signed up to be an agent for agency, they could have their own name. So people like put on their Twitter, when we do Twitter chats, they change their actual name to their agent name. It's a quite cool. Yeah, it's quite a cool thing. This is a, a new question that I've started asking teachers, actually, after talking to Dr. Marquita Blades about teacher burnout, which is you, you sound very enthusiastic about your teaching practice and obviously love it very much. How, how do you prevent burnout? How do you keep a balance in your life? Or if you don't, what are ways that you wish that you could? <laughs> Yeah, this is a tricky one because by doing the other things, they keep what I do in the classroom sane. I don't know if that makes any sense, but because I exercise my passion outside the classroom, it, it deflects any kind of burnout that I have inside the classroom. I also am very casual with how I approach my project work. So I don't religiously sit down for example just my personality i can't sit down and write a blog i just can't do that what i do is i will give myself a week and what i i will watch netflix or i'll be watching a movie and i'll be eating food and i'll start writing a few bits and then i'll close my laptop or work on something else and then the night later i'll build it up and write so by the end of the week i've got a blog written but I probably didn't even realize I've written it because I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing it passively, uh, albeit it takes me two and a half hours to write a paragraph, but those two and a half hours, I don't even realize I'm writing the paragraph. So by the end of the week, it's no, there's no pressure on what I'm doing. And, and, and I find it as a bit of a release to what I sometimes experience in the classrooms being aware of your energy levels and understanding them, we're all individual. We all have our own um, tolerance levels. And if you know, if you find what your limit is as a teacher and as an individual, be aware that you need to keep one or two steps away from that level. And if there was a new design teacher who was starting in September because I think if there's a new design teacher starting tomorrow in COVID land, that would just be, oof, what a tough job. But if you had a new teacher starting in your field, what would your advice be to that teacher? 
whether it's in design or in any any type of subject or any any level of schooling um i would say number one take it easy on yourself number two relationships come first and number three develop positive peer relationships so you have a positive support network as well they're the three things i would advise any teacher whether they're new experienced about to retire you know less worry about the content you're teaching and more worry about the people yourself your students and your network because everything else will come the content's there right it's you know your stuff so don't worry about that worry about the other things and then my last and favorite question to ask is you have unlimited school funds full control unlimited time what would be your ideal classroom or school well it's funny you should ask that because i'm currently working on a new school model which essentially incorporates a balance between uh, creative activities academic activities and physical um, and mental uh, well-being activities it's something that's that's been kind of in the the pipeline for a couple of years now yeah I, i just think having a lot of open space i think having classrooms that allow for collaboration having teachers that are willing to team teach i think that's a good thing having use of technology that's effective but don't necessarily feel that you're you have to use technology all the time and one of the big things i would say is making sure you have a very integrated trips and outdoor education program i think real world learning can only happen when you're in the real world being in school is a great opportunity to learn about the world as long as you're taking the students into the world and allowing them to learn about it without necessarily having the restrictions of the four walls of a classroom. Awesome. And how can listeners find out more about the work that you're doing or participate in some of your projects? What would be your social media or website that you, you'd like them to know about? Um, so my my actual website is evohanan.com e-v-o-h-a-n-n-a-n.com and that's where you can also reach me via email by just hitting the contacts twitter it's uh, evo underscore hanan on instagram it's project.decade on youtube it's it's uh, basically evo hanan as well so um yeah feel free yeah feel free to uh contact me i am a i'm a big collaborator i'm a big community person and uh, yeah let's let's work on the next um, groundbreaking education and innovation idea well thank you so much evo for taking the time to to talk to me today i really appreciate it no problem thank you very much for allowing me to be featured on your podcast So there you have it. Evo Hanan on staying passionate and current about your subject matter, modeling hard work for your students, and why, if you just ask, someone might lend you a fancy car. If you want to find out more about what innovative educators are doing around the world, go to lessonimpossible.com. And if you like the podcast, 
please consider forwarding it to your colleagues and rating and reviewing it on iTunes. This has been Lesson Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin.